Thanks everyone for joining for another episode today. I'm sorry that it's been so long since I released one. My goal for 2021 though is to be more consistent in getting these out. Every week is my goal, every Tuesday, although this is going out on a Wednesday, bear with me. Um, and then I also, when I was listening back to this episode, I apologize. I should have like paused and taken a drink of water at some point. I feel like I was sound, sounded like I was like gasping for air repeatedly. I promise I didn't record this like while I was in the middle of a run or something. I just needed some water. And then I also said the word provider like 87 times because this episode is all about finding your birth provider. So Thanks for always bearing with me and being here. Um, Don't forget to, while you listen right now, please go and rate, especially in iTunes, and make sure you subscribe for future episodes. This is of Brains and Babies. I'm your host, Cindy Moneto, and I love all things development, from conception through birth and into early childhood. My number one goal as an educator is to empower mothers with tools to have more balanced children. So if you like babies and or brain info with some semi-crunchy tidbits thrown in here and there, then we can be friends. Hello, Friends, long time, no talk. Um, that is something my dad says. I am becoming my father. Is it not always frightening when you like have a moment where you're totally one of your parents? Um, anyway, that was just one of them for me. So to kick off the new year after taking some time away for the holidays, I hope everyone had wonderful holidays and enjoyed the time with your family. Um, I just want to talk about just when you're starting out your your pregnancy and your birth journey, one of the first things that you have to do is pick a provider. And this has been fresh on my mind because I have had um, a couple of different friends get pregnant within the last month or so, and they've reached out to me and asked what questions they should be asking people, uh, why we chose to go with midwives versus a hospital, what are the benefits, some different things like that. So I figured I'd kind of just share and spew my thoughts um, on on this, on picking a provider. So the first thing that I think is really important is to just kind of envision what kind of birth you want. And that can seem overwhelming when you haven't given birth before because you might not know. Um, so if you're not sure, I would start by like asking friends, family members, people that you trust because everyone has an opinion and then but ask them what they both did and didn't like about their births or the situations that they were in to see, you know, kind of what kinds of things ring true to you or are valuable for you. Um, I would also suggest like watching birth videos or reading birth blogs to just get different information and different insights to see if there are certain settings um, that resonate more with you versus other ones. This may sound silly to some. If you're not religious, then just feel the vibes that you get. But if you are, um, pray about it. I truly am a firm believer that God helps these babies come to earth and he wants him to do so in the way that's safest for mom and baby. And so there'll be guidance with that. And um, once again, just, just try to figure out what kind of resonates with you. So then the next thing, and I think this is crucial. Now, quick little like caveat right now in COVID times, I know it's not quite the same, um, but there are still ways to do this. So I think it is crucial to interview and tour, if you can, multiple providers. I know that some places, while they're not doing physical tours, they have like virtual tours that they can do. But regardless of how you do it, I think it is so, so important to interview 
like ask them questions, um, go in, get a feel for them. Because keep in mind that when you are picking a provider, they work for you. The doctor works for you. You are selecting them. You have other people to choose from. Um, and so you like, it's not the other way around. They don't work. You know, you're not working for them. You don't have to take, um, they can't, tell you what to do, you, you know, all these different things and you can transfer, you have that right. So if you start your care with someone and then you have um, a situation that comes up, oh, sorry, just kicked a basket or some type of interaction that you feel is negative. And if there's something that's alarming to you in the weeks leading up to your birth, there are many, many places that take late transfers. But that's why I think it's important to take your time when picking somewhere. Um, I know it's really exciting. It's like the minute you get those two, you know, little lines or that positive pregnancy test, you start thinking about baby coming. But you have 40 weeks, right? Sometimes more to find a provider. And some places don't even see you to like nine or 10 weeks, which gives you plenty of time to kind of scope it out. So that's my, that's my thoughts with that. Now, um, if you're high risk, then you might be a little bit more limited in your choices, depending on the state and the laws within that state. There are some places that like you can't do a home birth or use midwifery care if you're high risk and have these different factors. But if one person tells you high risk, um, I would always get a second opinion because some, some providers like declare twins as high risk automatically, um, where that's not necessarily always the case. So and keep in mind too, that if you've had a previous birth that was considered high risk, that doesn't mean that the same thing will apply for your subsequent births. So I was going to get multiple opinions on that. Um, like there are many women that have C-sections because of a high risk or complication, and they're able to have a vaginal birth after completely successfully. So it's really interesting because um, there's actually, of the births that take place in U.S. hospitals, approximately 85% of those are considered low risk. That was done by, there's a National Birth Center study that is done every year, and that is something that they found. So the majority of women that are delivering babies would be able to have them out of a hospital setting if that's something that, that they feel called to do. So... Um, Majority of women are low risk, yeah, able to use midwives at a birth center. I do want to specify there's different types of birth centers. There's freestanding birth centers, which are, it's like a standalone um, practice, often in its own building or own setting or home setting. And then there's also midwives that work at home. There's midwives that work within a hospital setting. And then there are birth centers within hospitals as well. And then, of course, hospitals. There's kind of those different tiers or levels of things. Um, so yeah, give them a good interview, gauge their responses and emotions. Keep in mind that when you meet with someone, um, there are often multiple, um, like doctors or midwives in any practice. And so try to gather information for the place as a whole as well. Um, just because the personalities of different people change. So like, for example, um, I'll kind of go over some of the questions that I would suggest asking, but one thing that's very important with labor and delivery, delivery, excuse me, is freedom of movement and being able to, to move as your body fills and, and not giving birth in a flat position, reclined position on your back. That goes against, uh, the laws of gravity as well as your body's natural, um, ability to labor and deliver. So 
Maybe you might ask a provider, um, you know, can I move while I'm laboring? And maybe a provider says, yeah, sure, like I'm fine with that. Then I would also ask, is everyone in that practice also okay with that? Because there's been so many times where I've had friends or people that I've known that talk to one provider and they're like, sure, yeah, I'm okay with you using, you know, the water to labor in. And then when they actually go into labor, because you can't control that, it's a different doctor or someone practicing. And they're like, oh no, I don't, I don't allow that. So just make sure you fill it out for um, the, the entire kind of practice. So these are just in no particular order. Hopefully it doesn't sound too spewy. Just questions that you, you may want to ask. So I would ask, you know, how many years they've been practicing. You can ask about their licensure or credentials if you'd like to, where they went to school. Um, I always find it interesting to ask how many babies they catch a month, like personally and then as a practice. I, I think that's important because you want to be able to have a certain standard of care. And if it's um, kind of a factory setting, then you might not get the quality of care that you want or deserve. How often are appointments, um, and then the length, like it's, it's pretty common practice for a lot of birth centers and midwives to schedule hour long appointments as the standard, just because it's, they want to be able to more than just go over questions and check baby and all of that good stuff. They also want to build a relationship because they will be with you in some of the most intimate and in my opinion, sacred moments of your life. And so it's very important to build a relationship with them. You want to feel comfortable with the person that you are delivering with. And there's so much research that shows that levels of stress actually inhibit or slow labor. So if you are not comfortable with your doctor or some of the nurses that you meet with or whatever it may be, or even the midwives that you meet with, then that can actually inhibit and stall your labor um, just by having one person in the room that you don't agree with or that may be negative or that might not have a personality that you drive with. So make sure that you're comfortable with them. And that's why having longer appointments can be really beneficial because it allows for that relationship to be built. I would also, 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 not a word. I would also ask about, um, prenatal nutrition, if they give help or support or guidance with that, if they have supplements that they recommend um, or that they, you know, suggest throughout pregnancy. I would ask if they require ultrasounds. If so, how many and when? Are you allowed to opt out of them if you don't want all of them? Do they use a Doppler? Um, Do they require like constant fetal monitoring when you are laboring and then delivering, which are like the straps that go across your stomach because that restricts movements? Uh, many places now, especially say like midwives and birth centers, that they have Dopplers, so they're able to move with you rather than you having to stay in a position for the people to come to you and hear baby's heartbeat. They have a Doppler that can like go in the water, that can go if you're laboring over by the wall or if you're leaning on your husband, then they can use that Doppler and go with you. So I I love that about my births, but. Um, I would also ask a provider what required testing they give throughout pregnancy, what labs they require, things like, you know, the GBS, the strep test, um, their their protocol if you are GBS positive, um, you know, they, all if they test for anemia, protocols for that, just kind of get a feel for some of those. Um, if you're interested in a home birth or a water birth, ask if those are allowed, what things they have to facilitate those. 
I would also ask what labor support tools they have. And these are things to help manage the pain for when you're in labor. Do they have things like birthing balls or a peanut ball? Do they have um, limits or restrictions on food and drink that you can have? Are you able to have freedom of movement like I mentioned? I feel like I need to do a whole episode just on the importance of movement during labor. But um, do they require you to deliver in a certain position? Are you able to have an unmedicated birth if that's something that you want? If you decide you do want it and you didn't think you did, do they have epidurals and, and everything on hand for that? Um, do they allow you to um, you know, have an extra labor support person there like a doula or another family member besides your birth partner? So fill out some of those types of things. Um, it's also very important to ask what procedures they require after birth for the baby and to ask if you have the ability to opt out of any of those that you don't feel fit for your family, like different you know, vaccinations or um, different medical procedures like circumcisions or things like that. Uh, I would ask about delayed cord clamping, making sure that the, the umbilical cord is not cut right away. There's very, very nutrient-rich nutrient rich, rich blood that is still passing through the umbilical cord even after baby is born as it's still connected to that placenta. It's like pumping the last bit of goodness into baby. And so even delaying that just by a few minutes until the cord stops pulsating gives baby so many good and beneficial nutrients that they need. So asking about um, cord clamping, if that can be delayed... Can you or your partner catch the baby um, if you want to? And then that kind of goes along with that delivery position. Do you have to give position or give birth in a certain position? Or you, do you have that freedom of movement? I would also ask how long you can go past your due date. Um, this is another one I feel like I need like a whole episode on or just to like get on my soapbox on Instagram or something about it. But I hate that it's called a due date. I really hate it. It really should be called a guest date. There is no guarantee for when baby comes. Um, it's more of an estimation. So there are. it is very, very common for women, especially first-time moms, to go past their quote-unquote due date, right? To go to 40 weeks, 41 weeks, 42 weeks. So I would uh, ask whatever provider you're looking at, what they do once you reach your due date. If it is an automatic induction when you hit your due date or even before, I would definitely look into that a little bit more. There are a lot of risks that can be associated with induction. Babies have higher rates of um, needing time in intensive care. Mom, actually, there's lower rates of successful breastfeeding when that happens. There's a lot of, of things that can factor into an induction. Um, it might seem like an easy fix, but there's a, there's a perfect cocktail and blend of hormones that happens that allows for baby to be born when baby's ready. Baby works with mom's body and they share these hormones back and forth and it's this beautiful symphony that baby will come when baby's ready. And even a few days actually can really impact their overall lung development. Those are really developing a lot in those last few weeks. So keeping baby in there for as long as possible is truly the best thing for baby. So make sure to look at that, you know, their, their thoughts and their, their procedures for dealing with due dates. I would also ask their thoughts on breastfeeding, what the support they have available. Um, you know, do they have things 
like formula they're going to automatically hand you? Or is their first response a lactation consultant, an IBCLC to help support you with that? I would also ask about their transfer rate, meaning how often do they transfer to the hospital if you're not interviewing a, you know, a hospital at a hospital. Um, many like birth centers, kind of the national standard, many are below about 5% for a transfer rate, meaning that less than 5% of their clients transfer to a hospital, whether for an emergent situation or for prolonged labor. Um, but I would ask why, you know, how, how often do people transfer and what are the biggest reasons for it? Um, this is just a cool, a cool little side note kind of relating to that, but the, the national C-section rate um, is over 30% and actually has been rising steadily over the last 10 years. So, and that's a non-emergent C-section. It's just kind of the national average. The C-section rate for most, most birth centers in the U.S. is actually closer to 6%. So your chances for um, having an unnecessary C-section, unnecessary medical intervention when using a birth center or the care of midwifery is actually significantly lower, which... I think is awesome. Um, and then I would also ask, you know, about emergent situations and how they handle those. Like if baby flips during labor into a breech position, which does happen, um, or, you know, are they certified? Do they have everything on hand for a neonatal, you know, resuscitation if they need it? What they do if mom's hemorrhaging? Um, and just kind of fill out, you know, if something were to happen, what procedures do you have on hand? And then I would also ask some more personal questions or not like super personal, like, I don't know, like what was your GPA in high school or something like nothing like that. But maybe things like, do they have a favorite birth experience? Is there a certain, um, was there something that resonated with them that made them either switch to the field that they're in or made them go into it? Why did they choose to be an OB? Why did they choose to be a midwife? And and really kind of get a feel for them that way. Because like I mentioned, it's so important to feel comfortable and safe emotionally, physically, spiritually when you are um, a woman in labor. And so feeling that out with your providers, I think is crucial. So those are just kind of like, spewed random thoughts that I, I hope are somewhat cohesive. Um, I'll, I'll try and put them in a list and put them on my Instagram page um, so that it can be like a quicker snapshot and, and less word vomity. But I just, once again, I, I think my, my biggest piece of advice for anyone that's looking for a provider is to take the time to pick one and to talk with multiple providers. Um, like when we were expecting both kids actually. Well, our first, we were initially in Texas with our first Beckham and we interviewed a few different birth centers. We interviewed a freestanding birth center, actually two of those. We interviewed, um, we went to a hospital and toured that. We went to a birth center within a hospital and we, at, at first we were in Texas and we went with a freestanding birth center there. We just liked the, the care of the midwives. We liked their standard of care. And then we transferred, um, to Arizona, a birth center there because we moved, um, Oh, I don't even know how I was, how far along I was, maybe like 24 weeks. I was pretty pregnant because I didn't help my husband Tyler move at all. Uh, anyway, and the same thing, when we moved to Arizona, we did the same thing. We went to multiple birth centers. We went to the hospital here. We went to uh, one that is is pretty well known in our area for having good outcomes and, and good experiences for people. Uh, and we just really 
felt comfortable with the birth center that we chose. Uh, even though it wasn't the closest to us, it was further than others. We felt like we just jived with them. And that may sound silly, but there's just certain people you drive with and certain people you don't. And that's going to be the same for a healthcare provider. So um, that that is it, I think. I feel like I talked extra fast today, which I always talk fast, but um, I'll try to slow it down next time. Anyway, let me know if you have any thoughts on the episode. While you're here, I would love to remind you to go follow on Instagram at of brains and babies on Instagram. I'm going to work on posting more information, fun content there. And I'd love to hear back from you guys. Anything that you found helpful, any questions you might have, feel free to shoot me a DM. Talk to you guys next week.